well, we're having a slight change of tack to uh, where we were. We were on a, a, a season of talking through the theme of wisdom, if you remember the back end of last year and coming into this year. And Richard did such a fantastic job last week with that warfare, wisdom for warfare, really, really good job. And it so links in with where we sense God is wanting to take us. Uh, in terms of our response and what God is prompting us to do and some things I shared a couple of weeks ago, I'll refer to them in a moment again. Um, so we're going to start a little series on prayer, which so links in with what Richard was talking about. So pin your ears back and you think, I've heard series on prayer before. Not recently you haven't, not in this church, so we're going to do one. Um, but how many of you believe that you are actually called to be change agents in this world in which we live? Yeah. Jesus said something very profound. He said a lot of things quite profound. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, he says, you are. Just nudge the person next door and say, you are. Talking to you. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how could it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. But you are the salt of the earth. Then he said... You are, again, nudge them, you are. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a light, uh, a light of a lamp and put it under a bowl, a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So you and I are salt and light to this world in which we live. Change agents, people of influence for God's kingdom. That's the reality of who you are. If you've committed your life to Christ, you're a child of God, that is now who you are. In the very next chapter, Matthew 6, Jesus does his well-known teaching on prayer. And he says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Just think about that for a moment. The kingdom of God in heaven. Yeah? And he says, now pray that that will be the same on earth. Would that be a different earth and world in which we live today? Totally different. And this is who God's called us to be. And how he's called us to pray. Because we know that the enemy who opposes us opposes the kingdom of heaven. And so we'll do everything in his powers to resist and disable every activity that is done in the name of God's kingdom. The devil is out to try and thwart us. And I thought it was interesting last week that both Ant and Richard shared from the same scripture about the kingdom of heaven advancing and the forceful taking hold of it. Um, you see, prayer in this whole thing is so key. It's a key weapon that you and I have. And I think sometimes we just need to remind ourselves. And it's a spirit, I really, you know, Richard, when you said last week, you just stopped and you just said, it's a spiritual battle. And it just struck me again, some things that I'm just working through. And it just reminded me again, that sometimes it's not just 
stuff. Sometimes there is a spiritual battle. Now, don't go looking for spiritual battles in everything. But hear what God is saying when God's saying something and when God's prompting. Sometimes it is a spiritual battle. And Paul, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 6 says this. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authority, against powers in this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then he goes on and says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, that you may be able to stand, and having done all, to stand. And he begins to list a number of things. Paul says, God has given you and me the tools not only to withstand, but to stand, but also, I believe, to advance the kingdom of heaven. How many of you know that if you train for the military, you don't only learn to defend, but you learn to go on the offensive as well as and when necessary? And we're gonna, I'm just going to allude uh, in the next few minutes to one or two sort of military analogies, if you will, to something, this, uh, to, something to do with this. Paul again, he says in 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Do you know when you pray, it is powerful. That's why the devil tries to stop you. That's why everything seems to stack up against us praying sometimes. You know what Pete was talking about earlier, just carving out some time. And the kids and life and the whole works... Uncle Tom, Cobbley and all, seem to conspire against us to try and stop us to pray. But when we pray, it is powerful. James says it, doesn't he? He says, the prayer of a righteous person. How many have been made righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ this morning? The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Oh, I love effective prayer. When you pray... It is powerful. When you don't pray, not so much. And here's the thing. Prayer works. Somebody just needs to hear that this morning. I was intrigued, Richard, last week when you were sharing and you were talking about your time in Africa. Was it Nigeria? And you said, you know, you're about to go with a group and do uh, some evangelism in a village. And you were all rearing to go and get ready to go and get your Bible out and go and preach the gospel. And the guys locally said, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. We're going to go and pray first. We're going to go and pray first. And then he said, we're going to, after we prayed, we're going to send the worshippers in. And then we're going to preach. And that reminded me, as Richard was talking last night, uh, last, last, night last week, of General Norman Schwarzkopf. Anybody remember him from... Um, Desert Storm, the first Gulf War. Uh, this is back in 1991. Some of you weren't even born. Uh, but 1991, Iraq had invaded Kuwait uh, the previous August. And in response to that, 35 nations came together under the leadership of the USA and started to amass troops in Saudi Arabia. And as they brought those troops together, they started to carve out a way of retaking Kuwait. And on the 17th of January, 91, they started with an aerial and a naval bombardment of Iraq. 
this was probably the first time in world history where the press covered it 24-7. And it was on our screens 24-7. We got news back in 91. Some of you aren't young, old enough, but we did have news 24-7 back in 1991. It had just started. And so there's daily news briefings from General Norman Schwarzkopf, Storming Norman as he became known, every day or one of his generals. And they would come up to the podium, they'd have images of missiles going in. It was like coverage of war like we'd never experienced before, day-to-day -day stuff. And after a little while, the reporters were asking the questions. You keep sending the Air Force in. When are you going to send the troops in? And he said, it's not time. When are you going to send the troops in? And day after day after day. And for five weeks, the troops, the Allied troops, were amassed on the border without moving. And then came the moment in February, on the 24th of February, when General Schwarzkopf said this, he said, for so long we have had air superiority, but now we have air supremacy, sending the troops. And you know, it took 100 hours to seal that deal, to get a, to get a ceasefire. 100 hours after the troops went in, but five weeks the Air Force had been going in. There's something there, I think, of a strategic nature that often, if depending how you're wired and you're going to start something new, you want to go diving straight, feet first. And maybe let's learn from our African brothers and sisters to come pray, to go and pray. I mentioned uh, three weeks ago about something we feel in our area uh, when we looked at the map. I think you've got the map on screen there. Uh, we sort of plotted where every household. Uh, that's part of City Church is located across northeast Lincolnshire. And we really feel to do some prayer in what we call those uh, hubs, which are indicated by different colours. And so we're going to be launching that in the next couple of months. But we really sense God is going to do something, this whole thing that uh, Vicky just mentioned about us referring to the walls of the church coming down and going out. Um, we really feel it's got to be earthed in prayer right at the very outset before we come up with any initiatives or have a predetermined plan of this is what we're going to do. But Lord, first of all, we're going to lay some prayer down. Hear the heart of God for communities that we represent. So, as we launch this little series on prayer, let's come back to the very basics. What is prayer? What is it? Well, prayer in its simplest forms is Talking with God. Talking with God. A lot of my prayer, I don't know about yours, a lot of my prayer is a monologue where I do all the talking. Maybe you're different. You know, when I come and I've got my lists and I've got my things that I'm concerned about and I say, Lord, there's this and you, there's this. You know, and keep coming. But I do think God occasionally is just thinking, I wish we could have a dialogue, not just a monologue. And make some space for him to speak with us. Interesting, Pete was saying every day this week as he's endeavoured to do that. seems like God has dropped something in his spirit as he's spoken to him. And when we talk with God, of course, and when we talk with each other, we talk in different ways. You know, depending on what the circumstance is, I, I, we will talk in different ways to each other. Um, 
And it's like that with God, isn't it, when we come and commune with him. Firstly, I think it's absolutely vitally important that we praise him and give thanks to him. The psalmist said, didn't he, in Psalm 100, he said, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. As you're coming in the presence of God, you're taking that time out, come with that heart of thanksgiving and praise. Uh, Part of my routine, I'm a morning person, you might not be. I, unlike Pete, don't need an alarm. I just wake up somewhere between five and six every morning. I don't go back to sleep. I get up and go downstairs, let the dog out make a cup of tea, and then go and sit down with my Bible and prayer. That's my routine. But the first thing I do as I sit down is to reflect on God's goodness. You know, Liz was talking about that song that we we were singing earlier about all my life you have been faithful. But I take a little moment just to think about the previous day. Lord, what am I thankful for for yesterday? And just to express my thanks to him for the last 24 hours or so. So come first off with prayer, with, uh, to prayer with thanksgiving and praise and, and worship. Um, again, the psalmist says, come let us bow down in worship, let us kneel before him, our maker. That's Psalm 95. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. You see, when we thank God, we thank God for what he's done. When we worship him, we recognize him for who he is. Let me say that again. When we thank God, we're saying, Lord, we're so grateful for what you've done. When we worship him, we recognize who he is and who we are. Psalmist said, for he is our God and we are his people, the people of his pasture. So take some time as you pray to give thanks and to worship and then if you're like me you've got a bit of a list and you start your petitions to God do you know it's okay to ask God for things some of you are not so sure now you're thinking all the caveats here we go in Jesus in that prayer in Matthew 6 as it's recorded there so when you pray pray this way and he gave a number of things and then he said Father, give us this day our daily bread. Huh? God is interested in the daily stuff. The stuff that affects you and me every day of our lives, 24-7. James follows it up a little bit, and it gives a bit of clarity, I believe, because you can't take anything to an extreme. But James, in his letter, writes in chapter 4, well, he says this first off. He says, You do not have because you do not ask God. Don't complain if you haven't prayed and asked God. Bring things to him first. But then he just follows up with a little rider and he says, you know, when you ask, sometimes you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So there's something about our motives and our hearts. But I think if we've worshipped God... We've recognized who he is and who we are. It puts that whole perspective in the right place. That we're able to come and ask with a right attitude and a right motive and a right heart. So petitions. I'm I'm shooting through these because we're going to do some of this over a number of weeks. But different types of prayer. But intercession um, literally means to come in between on behalf of other people. 
You know, uh, in the Old Testament, there's a story of uh, when Moses was leading the children of Israel, he was off with God having a wonderful time. God was speaking to him. And when he came back to the camp of the children of Israel, he found that the children of Israel had built this golden calf and now were worshipping it. What on earth is going on? And the psalmist (coughs) reflects on this in Psalm 106. And God said, he said, I'm going to destroy the people. And Moses said, oh, oh. And it says, had not Moses, God's chosen one, stood in the breach before him to keep his wrath from destroying them, it would have been a different story. Sometimes... There's something to be said about us coming and standing and petitioning God, coming before him in intercession. I'm reminded of um, a guy that I I got to know a little bit a number of years ago, and some of you will know of him. Some of you have been around the block a while. Um, It's a guy by the name of David Powell. He was the pastor of the Grimsby AOG Church, which is one of the forerunners of what we now are, a city church back uh, in 1935 through to 43, so around the war years. And there's all sorts of stories of David Powell, interesting character, to say the least, but great guy. Um, And while he was here in Grimsby, when the war was going on, I had a first-hand account from somebody who was with him said he used to go out when the Luftwaffe bombers were coming over this area and dropping bombs on Grimsby. Everybody was heading to air raid shelters, and David Powell would go out on the street. And he would pray. And he'd put his hands up in the middle of the street, and he would pray. And he would begin to speak in tongues. Now, who knows? You you can't quantify what that did. But I tell you what, there's a man who stood in the gap, stood in the breach, prompted by God to go and do it. Then this prayer of supplication, a cry for mercy, Zechariah 12 verse 10, it says, um, God says, and I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and supplication. What's supplication? If you look in the dictionary, it says this, the action of asking or even begging, asking of something earnestly or humbly. You know, have you ever come to that point where you're really at the end of things and you say, God, I need you to break into this. Would you come in your mercy and do something? At some point, sometimes we find ourselves almost groaning with the weight of a a desire or a burden that God's put on us. But interesting, God says, it's the spirit of grace and supplication. It's like God drops something on us sometimes to do that. Then there's prayers of contrition, asking for personal forgiveness. How many of you know before you became a Christian and you got a revelation of who Jesus was and who you were, and you, I need forgiveness. And you, maybe you prayed a very simple prayer, but you, you prayed it very sincerely and earnestly in your own heart and to God, asking him to forgive you. Sometimes we all mess things up, don't we? Sometimes we need to come to a place of just asking God's forgiveness, but thankfully he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins as we keep coming back. Sometimes it's a place of contrition. And then there's a prayer of commitment, having asked for his forgiveness, 
I don't know about you, but I came to a point where I just wanted to commit my life to God and say, Lord, whatever you want of me, I'm here for you. Psalm has put it this way, into your hands I commit my spirit, deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. Lord, whatever stands ahead of me. Linked a little bit with the prayer of dedication, I guess, where the Apostle Paul in Romans 12, he, he says these words, he says, I urge you. He said, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your true and proper Worship. Offer yourself. Dedicate yourself to him. You know, we did something of this at the beginning of the year again. At the end of our time of worship and prayer, we offered ourselves to God and said, Lord, whatever you want to do in this decade, Lord, we want to be right in the center of it. Jesus put it this way in John 14. He says, if you love me, follow my commands. If you love me. It was interesting. Some of us were praying in the glass area there just before the service. And Rose, I don't know if she's over there. And she was praying. And in her prayer, she alluded to an old hymn that we used to sing many years ago. And it says, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. You know, those are old words, but they're absolutely dynamic truth. If you will put your trust completely in him... There's a peace and a sense of well-being that will outshadow anything ahead. We sang a song this morning, didn't we, that says, With my life laid down, I surrender now. I give you everything. And we sing it well. From our mouths. Is it coming from here? Why should we pray? Sorry, when should we pray? Well, we should pray, Paul says, always. Thessalonians 5. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, and this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Some people say to me, yeah, I'm just struggling with what's the will of God for my life. I tell you what, you get this bit right, the rest will begin to follow. Just read it. And then the set times, Pete was referring to quiet times, that routine. Um, There's times when we want to see breakthrough. <clears throat> in our lives and in the lives of others. You remember when Peter was imprisoned and the church prayed. And the church prayed. Supernatural, miraculous breakout of prison by angelic beings. Special occasions of national emergency. I was intrigued that it's 80 years this year since King George VI called for a national day of prayer on the 26th of May, 1940 as the disastrous situation in Belgium and northern France were unfolding and the troops were, British troops and some of the Allied troops were, were getting beaten up. Just show that little video clip. Uh. The Empire responds to the King's call. And at Westminster Abbey, heart of the Empire, the statesmen, the soldiers, the ambassadors and hundreds of ordinary men and women join the mighty congregation. Her Majesty Queen Wilhelmina of the Netherlands arrives a few moments before their majesties. No one here today could foresee the grave news that has come from Belgium. All the more, it is well for us to show the world that we still believe in divine guidance, in the laws of Christianity, 
May we find inspiration and faith from this solemn day. Okay, that's it. Okay, yeah, brilliant. The nation called to pray. Now, I don't know that we've had a monarch do it since. We've had church leaders do it since with you know, the Archbishop of Canterbury with his Thy Kingdom Come initiative that we've got involved with. There's another initiative I just heard of this week called the 2020 Prayer Initiative that Hope 2020 have launched um, where they're encouraging the church and people of the church on the 20th day of a month at 2020 in the evening to pray for 20 minutes for the nation. Interesting, I only heard about it uh, just this, this week. Perhaps the musicians will come back and wrap this up. So there's all different types of prayer that maybe we get involved with and, and think about a little bit more over the coming weeks. But how do we get started? Well, decide you're going to pray. Just make a decision. Lord, I'm going to spend some time with you in my life. I tell you what, it'll transform your world if you're not already doing it. Be mindful that he's with you throughout the day. So it's not just about separating an isolated time or a quiet time as perhaps we would refer it, but actually he's there all day. And that we can have that commune with him. Set aside a time. I think that's a really good discipline and really good thing to do. And ask God to help you. Lord, would you help me in my prayers? The Holy Spirit is here for that, to help us in our prayers. Make a list. I, you know, I have a list when I pray in my morning prayers, I have a list. I have a list of things that I pray every day, and I have a list of things I pray on a Monday, some things I pray on a Tuesday, so on, and throughout the week. And that really helps me. might not help you, but give it a go if you've not tried it. And keep doing it. Keep being persistent <coughs> and consistent. Tyrone was on about this earlier. I don't know where he is. Um, keep coming back to God and begin to observe the difference your prayers are making. I used to uh, visit a lady a few years ago now, elderly lady, and she had a prayer um, notebook. And she would write things in that she was praying for. She'd write her list. But then partway through the book, you could turn it open, and there was an answers to prayer list. And she said, you know, every now and again I get a little bit... Anybody feel like that? He said, on days like that, when I feel, she said, I turn to the page of answered prayer and I look down and see the prayers that have been answered. And I tell you what, it lifts me again, changes my perspective and takes me forward in this journey of prayer. I thought, what a great thing. Well, we're going to pray this morning and the band are going to play in a moment, but I want to respond, you know, with what KJ was saying, wherever she's over there somewhere. Um, Sin and sickness be gone. You know, and this morning, if you've never come to that place of asking God's forgiveness, you recognize that God looks on our lives and makes judgments over us. And each one of us, how can we stand before him unless we have a savior? And Jesus is that savior. And as we come to him, we ask him to forgive us of sin and he's faithful and just and will do that. If that's you this morning, why don't you respond to that as we pray in a moment? But also KJ was talking about sickness and healing. And we could spend a lot of time talking about healing. She read from the book of James. But if you're sick and you need prayer, why don't you come 
called for the elders of the church. Well, we've got some oil here this morning. If you need a healing, what I'm going to suggest to you today is... Oh, go on, do it, David. Come and stand along the front. If you need... I'll tell you what. I'm going to be a bit ordered. If you're coming because you really want to pray a prayer of salvation, you want somebody just to stand with you, you want to give your life to Christ this morning, you want you to come and stand at this end. Healing, start standing this end and come this way. All right? Everybody understand? You can take the front row out if you wish. There's all sorts of clobber to move, but don't worry about it. Um, why don't we do that? Let's, let me pray while these guys do whatever they're doing. And listen, if you can just lead us in some worship to do that. If you need prayer, you want to give your life to Christ, come stand here. If you want healing, come and stand this way onwards. Why don't you stand? Let's stand together. Father, thank you this morning for your incredible love for us, that you have an ear inclined to our prayer. And we come to you today with grateful hearts. And we honor you in this place. And as we worship you to close this morning, we ask that you would come and minister to people, bring salvation, a transformation in people's lives today. And bring healing, I ask, in your precious name. Amen.